you for thinking of me. And uh, let's prepare for the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much. God, I pray that I would decrease and your spirit in me will increase. Touch the lives and hearts of these precious people. Father, let them receive a word this morning that will just encourage their hearts and help to draw them closer to you. For, Lord, in your presence, there is fullness of joy and abundance of peace. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to James chapter number four, uh, verses seven through eight. Uh, James chapter number four is also on the screen for your reading pleasure. Hallelujah. And I'm still getting used to that. We just started that about a month ago. And uh, well, actually, probably close to two months now we've been doing it. And uh, Sister Di, have been doing a great job. And I'm having to learn that sometimes I'm trying to find a scripture. And it's like, wait a minute, it's right up here. So I'm, so I'm getting better at that. So, um, so anyway, uh, as you're turning there and as we're preparing, I want to talk to you this morning about seeking God. Um, as you know, that this week is our uh, consecration week. And it was really kind of born out of something that God had really impressed upon my heart a few years ago. Uh, mainly, I saw that in my line of work as a policeman, I have seen over the years that during this time of year, that demonic activity is on an increase, is on a rise for obvious reasons. And no matter how the devil will try to dress it up and say, oh, it's neat and fun to have the kids and candy and all that, how do you know that Satan himself appears as an angel of light? But one of the things that God impressed upon me was to use this week to just seek him. And so every year here at Foundation Christian Fellowship, we take a whole week where we just come together every night and we pray. We pray. We believe God. We pray for the sick. We pray for purpose. We pray for direction. We pray for our families. We pray for our community. We pray for our home. And we believe God for the best things in life. And what I have discovered in my walk with God is that, you know, this whole thing is about seeking God, seeking the will of God. And you must understand that there is an enemy that is opposed to you. A lot of people either forget it, don't really realize it. And how many know if you're fighting and you don't really know who your enemy is, you're in trouble? If you're a good war strategy person, you know who your enemy is and you know how to deal with that. And so... What I have discovered is that the very thing that Satan wants to do, or I should put it this way, the very thing that God gives us as believers in order to combat the wiles of the enemy and to further God's purposes in our lives is prayer and seeking God. And yet it does not matter that wherever you go, wherever church you go in, and it has not failed since I've been uh, walking with the Lord, that there's one of the most challenging things to do is to get people to come out and pray. And I believe that the reason that that is because the enemy knows that if he can keep a mother, a father, a pastor, a leader, a teacher, wherever your sphere of influence is, if he can keep you off of your knees, then he can go a long ways with disrupting your life. And so you know, and I think often about Jesus when he was out praying, when he was seeking the Father. You know, he sought God in the good times and in the bad times. In other words, every day of his life, Jesus was constantly connected with the Father. Now, we, if we're honest about it, boy, when things get really, really bad, it's easy to seek the Lord. 
You know, I see sometimes people come here, and I haven't seen them for a long, long time, and, and I talk to them, they're in some serious trouble. And I mean, no, God is there every time you want them. That's, that's the beauty of God. God will never look at you and say, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to hear you. He's always saying, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come and take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in spirit. He always is there. He's always there to comfort us. But we got to come to a place, I believe, where we're going to be people that thrive. How I many of you want to thrive in your life? You really want to live the good life. You know, you hear people sometimes, they're up and down. I mean, I just want to be in a place in God where I'm just in the good times and in the bad times, that I'm just walking full of the joy of the Lord. Paul said, listen, Paul said, I know how to, I know how to live in prosperity and I know how to live in difficult circumstances. He said, but in all things, I've learned to be content. He had to learn that. And I believe that the primary way that you learn that is being in the presence of God. It's just learning, just soaking up his presence every day that, that, that you're thinking of him. You're, you're in his presence and you're inviting God into your life. Because let me tell you, I mean, no, Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. That means to the full and overflowing. God is not there to try to make your life more miserable. He's there and he calls upon us to seek him because he knows what he has in store for us. He knows God, God's purposes and plan for us is, is good. And so the enemy wants to do, he wants to keep you from seeking God. He wants to do whatever he can to keep you off of your knees because you showed me a Christian that prays and that knows how to seek God. I'm telling you, you'll find a dangerous Christian there, brother. You got somebody who is dangerous because you know why? They've, they've learned the key. And the key is being connected with him. If you want God's power, you got to get in his presence. If you want God's power, you got to draw nearer to him. If you, want to be, if, you want, if you want to experience God's best for your life, then you need to connect with him in a very, very intimate way. And so the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and destroy, but God came that they might have life and have life more abundantly. Amen. Here in James chapter number four, I will read verses seven through eight. He says, now, therefore, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, I mean, that can I can almost preach a sermon just right there. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. As I was meditating on this passage of scripture, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why does it say that, that, that we have to draw near to God and he will draw near to us? And God put it to me this way because God has always been near. We are the ones that have drifted away from God. Whether there be other things that distract our attention, uh, you know, other uh, you know, situations or hardship Sometimes these things tend to lend itself to us being just kind of drifting away from God. God is always there. He said in his word that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so we understand that. So the invitation there is draw near to me and I will draw near to you. But in order for that to happen, there must first be a willingness to draw near to God. How many know that God is never going to force you to come near 
God is never going to try to make you come close to him. You and I have to make up in our mind that we're, I'm going to draw near to God. And so that means that we must do some things on purpose. If you want to experience God's, how many of you want to experience God's joy and his peace? How many of you have ever been in a place in God where you just felt like you had moments of time where you just really felt the presence of God in your life? That you were overwhelmed with joy and, and you just felt the peace of God. And when you really experience the presence of God, you don't want to leave it because it feels good. Because in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. So we have to make a decision. You see, our, our closeness to God depends on what we are most thirsty for. What are you thirsting for this morning? Are you thirsty for his presence? Because you are as close to God, and you've heard me say this before, as you want to be. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not, I don't feel close to God like I used to. Then the question I have for you, who moved? How do you know God never moved? He st- look, he stays right here. And he says, I'm here. Come to me. You know, when I want to draw near to my wife, drawing near is very simply put. When we talk about drawing near, it means coming into a place whereby God has our full and undivided attention. Our full and undivided attention. You see, when I want to get uh, uh, intimate with my God and really listen to her and connect with her, because, you know, our wives, they're good at knowing when we're not really connected, right? I mean, you know, they're good, they get good at saying, you're not listening to me. And uh, my wife would tell me that oftentimes. But when I really want to get intimate with my wife, then I cut the TV off. I turn off the computer. I put my book down. And I give her my full undivided attention and I look directly into her eyes. Why do I do that? Because I want to get close to her. And if I'm going to get close to her, then I need to focus my attention on her. So your closeness to God is directly tied to what you focus on the most. In other words, watch this. The more, clo- the, the, the more you think about the things of God, the closer you're going to feel to him. The more that you don't think about the things of God, the further away that you're going to feel away from God. So if a person says, well, you know, I'm, I want to get close to God, then, then maybe, like my wife said, TV that sh- TiVo that show. And I'm going to have to TiVo that Redskin Philadelphia game tomorrow. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to be here. But what... But if, if, if we're going to really get, get close to God, then we got to do some things. we got to turn some things off. we got to make up in our minds, you know what? I, am going, I need to hear God. I need to be in his presence. How many of you need a word from the Lord? Sometimes you need a word from the Lord. If you need to draw close to God, you got to shift your attention. you got to come into a place. Maybe you need to fill your house with worship. Maybe you just need to, need to cut the TV off, turn the music off, whatever. You can do whatever, you know? Everybody has a way of how they get close to God. Some people get, get, get close to God through intellectual means. They're just, they like to sit, read, and think. That's their way of drawing close to God. Some people love worship music. They just love to sing and praise and shout. And that's their way of kind of connecting with God. Some people just like to hang out in the mountains where it's nice and quiet. They're kind of like my little favorite thing. I just like to hang out in a place where I can only feel the wind. 
because it just helps me to connect with God that much more. What we're talking about is we're laying a foundation in our preparation for seeking God. How are you going to do that? We first got to deal with what do we spend most of our time feeding ourselves with. The junk food of the world or the meat of the Lord. You know, we tell our kids all the time, we don't, you know, if it's up to them, they'll eat cake and ice cream. Am I right about it? They'll eat cake and ice cream for dinner, breakfast, supper, and everything else. And we say to them, you can't have cake and ice cream because that will just, that's not healthy for you eventually. It's just not the best thing for you. And they don't understand that. They'll cry, they'll pout. But I mean, because if they eat a bunch of junk food, they're not healthy. You see, if we feed ourselves on too much of the world, how I many know that's like junk food? It's not really healthy for us. So everybody say balanced diet. You got to be balanced. You got to be balanced. And so as you're preparing to seek the Lord, you got to deal with what is. What is it that you're focused on the most? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. And I'm going to do a couple things here and we won't be long this morning. Y'all believe that, right? Somebody said, <laughs> not really sure. Jeremiah chapter number 29. Let me kind of lay the foundation because we're going to kind of deal with um, understanding when we're seeking God. The first thing we got to understand that God is sovereign. That means that God is in full control and that ultimately God is going to have his way. We understand that. Secondly, we're going to deal with the, the issue of sin and how that affects our ability to be able to connect with God. Then thirdly, we're going to deal with the aspect of, of what is a proper fast because we're going to be fasting this week. And some of y'all who are really spiritual giants, you may be led to fast the whole day. I'm not going to call you up and see if you're fasting. That's between you and your God, How you want to fast. But we're going to talk about these aspects because it's important to understand that when you're seeking God, the first thing is that God is in control. There's an appointed time for what God wants to do in your life. Sometimes, you know, that sometimes when we pray and we seek the face of God, if it don't happen fast enough, the way in a, in a way that we thought, you know, sometimes we just get mad and discouraged and we say it ain't working. How many of you have ever said, I prayed like the pastor said, I did this, I did, but it ain't working. You wouldn't tell me if you did, right? But here in Jeremiah chapter number 29, here the children of Israel were taken captive by the Babylonians because of their disobedience to God. And while they were captive over in the Babylon, there was a, some false prophets running around saying, you know, you need, to, you need to rebel and you need to go back. You need to go back to Jerusalem and set up camp. And, and, and Jeremiah was a prophet. And Jeremiah sent a letter to them from God saying, that God had wanted them to stay there because it was not the time for them to leave. And so they find themselves in the situation where they're thinking, I want to leave, I want to go, and I'm, they're praying, they're seeking God, they're fasting, and God is saying, not yet. And look at it, in, uh, pick it up in verse number five. We read verses five, I believe, through uh, 13 or verse 14 says, build houses, and he's talking to them, so because they're at this point, they're thinking to themselves, we want to go, 
And they've been seeking God, seeking direction, and God has given some, given them some direction. He said, now build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that you may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. So, so, get, so for a moment, get what he's saying here. He's saying to them here, he's saying, OK, here's what the situation is. You're thinking that, that now is the time to go back and I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to respond but in the meantime, while you wait, I want you, to build, I want you to build the city. I want you to have kids. I want you to get jobs there. I want you to settle down here for right now. How many of God has ever told you that he needs you to settle down? You're thinking, it's time for me to move. And God is saying, no, I need you to settle down. Look at verse eight. For thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to you or listen to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. Watch this. Then you will call upon me and, and pray and, and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. And so. Understand that sometimes when you're seeking the Lord and when you're when you're seeking direction, when you're wanting God to respond to you, how do you mean when God says no for right now, it does not mean that's permanent or God may just be saying wait. Because how do you know that God's time frame is not our time frame? And that's important that you understand it as we go into our consecration week, because you're going to be praying because I'm praying that it's not just about coming here on, on, on during the during the evenings. But it's also about this whole week that you're taking the time to hear God and to pray to God and to seek God. And sometimes we got to understand that God is sovereignly in control. And God does not think like you think. The Bible says a thousand years is like a day to God. So God thinks clearly outside of the box. And so just because it doesn't come quick like you think it's supposed to come does not mean that God is saying no. He just maybe was saying wait because he told them, he said, look, I want you to stay here. But after 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. Now, you may be saying, well, I don't have 70 years. God knows that. But the point I'm trying to make is that God is in sovereign control. But I love what he says here. He says, then you will call upon me in verse 12 and pray to me and I will listen to you. How many of you need God to listen to you? He says, now here's the key. He said, and you will seek me and find me when you search with me, search for me with all of your heart. That is a way of God saying that I need when you give me your full and undivided attention and you seek my face. Guess what? 
I will hear you. I will respond to you. Because how many know God is not there playing hide and go seek with us? God says, when you seek me with all of your heart, when you lay it down and you come after me, you will find me. See, that, that's something we got to realize. So when you're sacrificing, when you're saying, oh, God, I'm coming to pray. God, I'm coming to seek your faith. You got to believe that as God said, that when you seek for me with all of your heart, you're going to find me. Pastor Gary didn't say that. God says, God says it right here in his word. So you can, you can rest assured that if you got an issue and, and you're seeking God and you give him your whole heart, God said, I'm listening. What do you need? See, when you pray, I want you to have this picture in your mind that God is there and his ear is, is just right over top of your head. And he's like this. He's listening to you. Because the Bible says that he hears the prayers of the righteous. His ears are always open unto their prayers. Now, just in case, you know, you're not righteous enough. You hear the prayers of the righteous. Who makes you righteous? Jesus. That's why the Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Because of his sacrifice, when God looks at you as a believer, a Christian, he looks at you as having never sinned a day in your life because you're in the blood. You're under the blood of Christ. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Hallelujah. So we can have confidence that we're coming in the name of Jesus, that he is going to hear our prayer. It may be a delay. I want to warn you. Then God may say, wait a minute, because as I said before, God is he's that master who sees the big picture. You don't see the big picture. If you saw the big picture, it will probably scare you. <laughs> If you saw the big picture, you'd probably say, God, I don't want to do that. If you really knew everything, how many of you really want to know everything that God has planned for you? From I don't want to know. I'm with you, sister. I don't want to know. I'd just rather walk this thing out by faith. I just want to walk this thing out by faith and say, okay, God, show me as I go, but just give me the faith and the grace that when I'm going through a tough time, that when I'm believing you to know that you are with me, and as you said, that you will never leave me nor forsake. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And so his ears are always open unto our prayers. So, and in the process, he reminds them of his plan and purpose. In verse number 11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So here's, here's the thing you got to understand about your God. Because sometimes you may be saying, God, how long? Have anybody ever said, how long, Lord? <laughs> How long am I going to have to put up with this situation? How long am I going to have to deal with this? What God is saying is you got to know that, first of all, you got to develop patience. And you got to know that I have a purpose and a plan. God says, I know the plans I have for you. I have plans to prosper you. I have plans to give you a future and a hope. My wife talked about the hope tree. Glory to God. So while I'm waiting on God, the thing that I know, I know this for a fact. I know that no matter what I'm going through, if I stay connected with God, I know I'm going somewhere. I know I got a future. I know I got a hope. I can tell you and you can tell me how lost we were before Jesus came. I was so lost. And it was when I when he opened my eyes that that I, I developed a hope, a sense of purpose. That's the way God thinks about us. 
So you got to believe that when you're going through it, you got to say, Lord, it's hard. But, you know, I believe. I believe, you know, when you go home today and you're having a struggle, Lord, I believe. I believe that you have a future. You have a hope. Oh, when things don't work out right, oh, Lord, I believe. Or uh, you hear some bad news, somebody got sick. Lord, I know you have a plan for me, and I know you have a future. You have a hope. I'm going to come out of this because all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. I know that my God will come through for me because he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask. I think I know that he is able. How many know that he's able this morning? God is able. You got to hold on to that. When you're trusting and you believe in God and you're seeking his presence, you got to know that around you in the midst of that, that God is first. He's listening to you and that God has your back. I mean, no, God got your back. You don't worry about what people can say or do to you when you know that God got your back. Because if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm always going to come out on top. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. You can say amen to that. That's okay. Hallelujah. Let's look at Isaiah chapter number 59. Isaiah 59. Now, we're talking about seeking the Lord. And, you know, I am interested in you maximizing your time when you seek the presence of God. To make sure that there is nothing that is cluttering your prayer. How many know that there are some things sometimes that can clutter your prayers? Glory to God. I would be remiss as a pastor, as a preacher of the word, if I did not give you the whole counsel of God. Am I right about it? So he says here in Isaiah chapter 59. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about seeking the Lord. And so I want you to have this attitude as when you see, even through our consecration weekend, as you go on your Christian walk with God, that when you get serious about God, there's some things that we got to just, we got to deal with. You know, one of the things you know when you get close to God is that, I mean, you, the, the, you've experienced this, the closer you get to God, the more aware you, you are of your own sins. You know, and I, so be careful what you ask for. I remember getting depressed as a young Christian because it seemed like the closer I got to God, I realized just how nasty and how ugly I was and how many issues I have going on. And, one, and I remember thinking to myself, I can't live the Christian life. I'm not good enough. I'm, I mean, I, I remember walking, I, was, I was living in McLean one night and I was, uh, I was uh, out walking about. I was over in, near the Tyson's Corner where we used to live. Many years ago, and I remember walking. I just went out, take a, I took a walk, and I hadn't really done anything wrong. I just had these bad thoughts that were coming to my mind. I would think, you're supposed to be a Christian. You shouldn't be thinking that way. And I remember just walking, just thinking, oh, God, I mean, so why, do I, why did that happen? I, I can't do this, God. I've been trying to, the preacher said, oh, dude, I can't. I just can't. God, I just keep trying. I keep trying. I keep trying. And then God spoke to me. He says, abide in me. Abide in me and let my word abide in you. For the branch cannot do it by itself. How is the branch is connected to the vine? The vine is what's giving it life. And then it dawned on me that when he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Then I realized I got a revelation of what real grace is. God never expected you to get it all right. But when you, when you come into relationship with him, he writes his laws in your heart. And, you know, when something is in your heart, how I many know it just happened? You know what I'm talking about. 
When your heart is really in it, you don't have to say a whole bunch. It just happened. You know why? Because it's just not external commandments. It's in my heart. So one of the things you know got to deal with, if we've been walking in open rebellion against God, open, you know, sometimes we just say, Lord, I'm just not going to forgive that person no matter what. I'm just not, you know, for the way they treated me, uh-uh, I'll go to my grave, but I am not going to forgive. How do you know that every time you get on your face to pray, God's going to say, uh-uh-uh, you need to deal with that. Now, you want to be a person that know that when you open your mouth and pray to God that your God is listening to you, right? Well, guess what? God's going to tell you about yourself a little bit. He's going to say, look, this thing that you've been holding on to, I want you to kind of deal with it. We're talking about we're talking about open rebellion when we just decided we ain't going to obey God. But look what he says here in Isaiah chapter 59. He says, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Glory to God. His ear, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. He will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. What is he saying? He's saying that the reason why the, the things are not happening, the reason why I've kind of turned my back for a moment is because your sins have separated you from me. I need you to go back and I need you to make amends with your wife, with your husband. I need you to get on the phone. If you have aught against your brother, you go to your brother and your sister and you work it out. Before you come and seek my face. So as we're preparing to seek God's face this week, if there are some issues and some things that you know that God has been dealing with you, God, you know, the Holy Spirit would gently deal with you. He would, he would say, deal with that. Get that right. Deal with that. Deal with that. Get that right. I mean, no, you better do it. Because one thing I learned about God, God, God don't just skip over steps. How many know there, there are steps in God? God, the children of Israel went around for 40 years like this until they got it. I don't want, I don't know about you, I don't want to be wandering around until I, I want to get it quick. I want to learn what I got to learn and so I can go to the next level. How many know there are levels in God? So I want to go to the next level in God. So then I, I just want to be in it. If God speaks to me about something, then I'm, listen, I'm like, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, it's hard. It's going to kill me. Because sometimes God asks you stuff, it's going to kill you. <laughs> That's why he said, humble yourself under the sight of the Lord so that he might lift you up. God requires that. And so as we're as seeking the face of God, and God says to you, you need to get something right. Don't sit there and try to act. It ain't me, Lord. No, don't try to rationalize it. Just say, Lord, here I am. Send me. God, whatever you want to do, I'm ready. Okay, God, I'm good. Now I'm ready to go to the next level. Now hear my cry. Now hear my cry, oh, Lord, because there's no blockages. But look over, jump on over to verse, to chapter 58 in Isaiah. And uh, in the first five verses of chapter 58, they were asking the question. There were some people <laughs> who were seeking the face of God, and they had a question. They said, God, 
Because I know all of you, you love to fast and miss meals, right? Stop lying in church. You love to fast. Oh, you're awesome. God bless you. You're the first person I met that said I love to fast. Just, you go. You go. And you need to minister to me. Because every time I t- think about fast, but I thought, uh, you know, I, like the day before, if I know I got to fast, I'll eat a big meal. I'm thinking, I'll eat like a camel. They eat it and they store it up, you know, because I'm going to be fast this week. No, I'm not going to do that today, but I'm just a nice, neat, neat way of me saying I don't like to fast. At least going into it, but when I do fast, boy, I love the results of it. So here the people of God was asking a question. They said, we've been fasting. We've been praying, just like you said. But God, what's up? Because nothing has changed. I mean, I've done everything you said to do. What is the problem? See, one of the things we got to understand about fasting, we talk about fasting and prayer. That sometimes we think, okay, that because I missed a meal that I'm being spiritual. How many know that you can fast and be just as in the flesh as you were before you even missed the meal? So here they are. They're they're thinking, I'm going through the motions, God. I mean, I'm coming to church. I'm praying. All that good stuff. But you ain't hearing Situation ain't changed. Now, one iota, I'm sick and tired of this. God, what's wrong with this situation? And then look what he says here in in verse number six. He says, (laughs) now he's going to, how many know when you start asking God some serious questions, God will answer you. He says to him, now he's going to tell them what kind of fast he really wants. Is this not the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Here's what God is saying. Listen to this. How we treat one another is directly tied to our ability to be able to get God to move on our behalf. God was saying to them, he said, y'all, you all been fasting, but you're still mean. <laughs> yeah. My wife, me and my wife had this little joke, you know, and we, we do it to each other, you know, because we're human. Everybody say you're human. And, you know, you know, and you go through the ritual of having a devotion every day. You know, you, you, know, you can worship a devotion to say I did a devotion. But that's not the idea. I mean, it's about God speaking to you. And sometimes, you know, we'll go into prayer. It'd be she or either I. And I come out of prayer, and I'm so rushed. And, you know, and I'm still just as still uh, troubled, still got the same attitude. And she look at me, who, who did you talk to in prayer? Because you didn't talk to God. You need to go back. Because how many know when you really get into the presence of God, there's going to be a change? There's a word again, change. Change. There's no way to be impacted by the power of God and there not be a change in your life. So if I'm in the prayer, if I said that I've just got out of the presence of God, then there should be a sweetness about my spirit. There should be some evidence that I've really been in the presence of God. Here they're saying, I've been fasting, I've been praying, but they still won't forgive that other person. They still see people hungry and naked and they close their eyes. I ain't giving you nothing. 
I still don't have time for you, but I love the Lord. Really? I can't stand your guts, but I love Jesus. Oh, I just bring it home a little bit, aren't I? Is that a little too strong? <laughs> I'm just bringing I mean, come on, we, we got to deal. Because when you're trying to seek the Lord, these little things will block. They will, they will block your ability to be able to get to God. You don't want the heavens to be brass when you're trying to see God. You need the heavens to be wide open. God is saying, come fast, pray, seek, do all of that. That's good, but while you're doing it, understand what it's all about. It's about change. So there should be some attitude change. So people that got problems with addictions and people that are struggling in relationships, guess what? There should be like, Lord, I got that problem. I confess it. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it right, God. See, this will surrender me. You know, that's why when we come to church, that's why we do this. It's an act of surrender. Our whole demeanor is, Lord, I'm going to surrender. I'm not going to hold any grudges. Well, pastor, you don't understand what that person did to me. I probably don't. But God knows what that person did to you. And, you know, a person that harbors an unforgiving spirit, who does it hurts most? The person that harbors it. Because oftentimes the people that you got issues with, they ain't thinking about you. They're living their life. They're going on. You sitting there, every time you see them, you're in bondage. And they're like, they care less. Are, are you, you're tracking with me this morning. So, so in your seeking God, understand what it's all about. Okay, if I'm seeking God, getting in God's presence, when I'm in God's presence, that's going to be a change. God's going to say, give up some stuff. Give up some attitudes. Put away sin that you know that's been hindering your ability to connect. Put it all away because now we're ready for some serious business. I'm ready to move on your behalf. Because he says it right here. Watch. You're going to love this. Oh, I love this. This is beautiful. He says, when you, in verse number six and seven, when you do those things, look at verse eight. He said, then your light shall break forth like the morning. <laughs> he says, watch this. He says, your healing will spring forth speedily and your righteousness will go before you. The glory, look at the neighbor and say the glory. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear God. And then you shall call and the Lord will what? Answer. How many of you want God to answer? He's telling you how to do it. He said, if you put away this stuff from you, if you get rid of the attitudes, if you deal with the sin stuff, when you fast and pray, when you call on me, I'm right there. What you want? What you need? What's up? What, what do you need? He said, I will answer you. But watch, he goes on further. He said, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Verse 9. And then he said, you shall cry, and he will say, here I am. Glory to God. Has anybody shed any tears lately? If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, you know what the pointing of the finger means? You know, you did it. (laughs) You did it. You did it. If you take away the pointing of the finger, what was that all about? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> if, you, if you take away the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry, in other words, he's going back to how we're treating other people. 
Because, see, if you're a Christian, you love the Lord, you treat people a certain way. You know why? Because they have the spirit of God living on the inside of them. And the ones who don't have the spirit of God living on the inside of them, guess what? They were made in the image of God. Come on. And you satisfied the afflicted soul. He said, watch this. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. But watch the verse 11. He says, and the Lord will guide you continually. Oh, my God. You mean to tell me, God, that if I seek you like this, you mean to tell me, God, that you're going to guide me continually? That means that every step you take, God's going to make sure you're going in the right direction because sometimes you don't see clear. You know, it's like I grab my kids. We play around the house sometimes. And they're going, and I grab them, and I just go this way, go that way, because I know which way I'm going. You can't clearly see. God says, I will guide you continually. I will take you right to where you need to go. And you might be thinking, Lord, what am I going? Just, just, I'm going to guide you. Don't worry about it. Just stay right here. I'm going to guide you to where you need to go. He said, I will guide you continually. And I will satisfy your soul in drought. How many of you just ever felt dry in your soul? He said, I will set, you know, a dryness in the soul means that, you know that old Mick Jagger song? Y'all know who Mick Jagger is? The lead singer for the Rolling Stones? Okay, yeah. All right. What was one of Mick Jagger's, you don't know, don't worry about it. What was one of Mick Jagger's favorite songs? If you had to think of one that identified Mick Jagger. I, there you go. I can't get no satisfaction. You know, a soul that is in drought, a soul that is dry, you know what, in, in essence, what's happening there? I can't get no satisfaction. And you know, when you can't get no satisfaction, you'll go from here to there, there from here. Why? Because this ain't it. This ain't it. I just, I can't get no satisfaction. And when you ain't satisfied, you're, you can't be still. Come on. When you're not satisfied. He says, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul and draw and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like spring, like a spring of water who waters do not fill. In other words, God is saying, I will fulfill you from the inside out. The problem with many people today, they can't get no satisfaction because they won't come to Jesus. They won't do. They won't seek his face. Because that is the real essence. That is how you get satisfaction. He says, he says I, I love this way he puts it. He says, you will be like a water garden. In other words, you will just be bubbling up with fulfillment. Whether no matter what happens in your life, you know what? I'm fulfilled. I'm happy in Jesus because I know that he is on the throne. Verse 12, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer. Watch this of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. You know, how many of you realize that there are generational things that we all deal with? One of the things when I got saved and in my in my generation and and my, uh, you know, talking about, you know, curses and, you know, and different things that are passed down. And mine was, alcohol was a big deal. And my, my, you know, alcohol and immorality just ran rampant in my family. And one of the things that I tell my wife all the time, I said, you know, God, I said, baby, we're going to start anew. See, we're going to walk with God and we're going to change this thing. 
because I'm going to be, we're going to set the standard differently. We're going to go in a whole new direction. I did a family reunion. I got my family together. And it was funny because I was a little kid. We used to have family reunions. You know, we used to all get a T-shirt. But I remember that they used to always have a car. <laughs> you used to always have a couple of cars that would be like in the back with the, with the back of the trunk lifted up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. She know what I'm talking about. And you know that back over in the corner, there's some stuff going on back over there. And as little kids, we just see that all the time. We go running, don't go over there, come back. And we had to leave. We look, oh, what are they doing? You know, all kind of crazy stuff. And so, and so the Lord laid on my heart to, 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 because my aunt at that time, she had said, you know what? I've been doing this. I've been planning our family reunion for this many years. And now I'm tired. It's time for you guys to do it. So I planned it. So when I did it, now how many, see, I'm a repairer. So you got to think of yourself as a repairer of the breach. You're going to change this stuff. You're not going to, listen, I don't care what they say, well, your mama did it, your daddy did it. You're going to know the devil is a lie. I ain't doing none of that. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I got the power of God living down on the inside of me. Don't tell me that just because it happened to them that my kids are going to live in that bondage. Oh, no, it's going to change right here and right now. And so I had, so I shared, just God, God, God is awesome. So I put this thing together. And so I assembled like a whole bunch of I said, look, it was like six, seven of us on the board. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the family reunion like this. And you know what? And we don't want no alcohol out here. Oh, boy, you can meet somebody. Some folks are, oh. And you know what? And we're gonna, you, we, we can play some secular music, but it ain't going to be music that's going to be degrading women. Come on. We ain't going to be sinful in its content. I mean, no. Look. Ain't nothing wrong with some secular music. Me and my wife, when we got married, we got married to a song sung by Luther Vandross. Here and now, that's our wedding song. Here and now, I promise to love faithfully. That was our, ain't nothing wrong with that. Because if it's good, it comes from God anyway. Because how many know God wants you to live faithfully with your wife? So some secular music is okay. I'm not knocking it. But, you know, we start degrading and getting into all this kind of crap. No, 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 we ain't having none of that. My kids will tell you, I'm always hunting, looking at the my pots. And what's up? What we got on there? Because we want to keep it real, keep it holy. And, you know, that whole environment, when I did that thing, boy, it was different. I mean, we had a, had a great fun. And I remember that, that, that Sunday we all went to church, and, and the pastor stood up. He said, the, the Bailey Pretlow family reunion was awesome. And you know what? And they opened up the word of God and they prayed and they preached doing it. Because I, I stood up there and I just opened up the word. And I did like a 10-minute devotion, just kind of. Because that never been done before. You know what I was doing? A repairer of the breach. That's the way you got to think of yourself. When, see, you got to believe that God will use you to change generational stuff. Stuff that's been plaguing your family. You are the repairer. You are the light of the world. Go make a difference in your community. Go change your family. You do. Why are you waiting on somebody else to do it? You know how to seek the Lord. You know how to reach him. Then you get in his presence and you become the repairer of the breach. And some folks, I remember some folks got mad because the next year someone was just hot. Someone wouldn't come. I remember standing in church and the pastor was bragging and I was happy about it. And, and, and some folks in there, and they would not come because, you know, you they the way we used to be. We like to have our fun. We like to get drunk and pee all over ourselves. And you won't let us know we ain't doing that. No, we ain't doing that. I said, if I got to do it, this is what we're going to do. I'm a repairer of the breach. So as you're seeking God this week, as you come to, I'm going to challenge you. Come on out to consecration. We come out. We're going to be out here every 
day from 7 to 8.30. But prepare your hearts. Get your heart right. We gave you, we gave you some things that you can take with you so that when, when you come in, you're already ready. Because now you've dealt with the sin issue. You, you, you're fasting, but now you're doing it the right way. You're un- getting all the other stuff out of the way. So now God can move. Because many of you, all of us, we need God to move. I don't know. I just want God to do so. I want, I'm, listen, I'm believing for a miracle. So if you're sick, come expecting to be healed. Well, I got cancer. Good. Come, no, not good, but you know what I mean. Right? God can heal. If you, need, if you got relational issues, then believe that God can turn a heart around. This is, what we're, this is what we're calling God to do. And I'm coming free, and I'm, t- I'm coming fired up. We got some folks. We got a guest speaker coming. A Wednesday, we got Sister uh, Diva is going to be ministering. We got my wife. My wife is good. She's, she's anointed. Y'all pray. So, we, so y'all ain't going to just be hearing me. You're going to be, uh, listen, I'm going to be right here with y'all. Believe in God, and we're going to, be, we're going to just be believing God for some great things. But come with faith and bring somebody and say, look, what's your problem? You need to know it. Come on, go with me. I guarantee you, if you sacrifice to the Lord, I just this is what you're doing. You may say, it's a sacrifice. When's the last time you sacrificed for the Lord? I mean, really, like you really sacrifice. This is a great time. Come and say, you know what? I could be doing this. I could be doing that. You could be, but you're serious and you need God to move. Don't tell me you want God to move and you can't. Make the time to seek his face. Because he says, when you call unto me, I will answer you. So what is it that you need? And here's what I'm asking you to do. Make a list of the things that you need God to do in your life. I'm going to, somebody remind, remind me of this, Sister Diver. I'm going to have a little bucket or something. And we're going we're gonna to put them all up here on the altar because we're going to be praying. And I don't care what your problem is, what your issues are, we're going to believe God to answer every one of those prayers. Every one. And I, and I want you to come with big faith. Don't come in here with small faith. Don't come in here just saying, God, pay my electric bill. Saying, God, no, we just, we're going beyond that. What God's going to do is bigger than paying your electric bill. Come on. I mean, believe God for, the, <laughs> believe God for so much you don't have to worry about that. Believe God for big stuff. Big stuff. Get free. Hallelujah. Get free. Amen. Amen. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed.